You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News, and today ends up being a very Busy one. Pacers take down the Wizards, the first win of the new era with Halliburton and Heald and Ricky Rubio and Tristan Thompson. It was a good win. The Pacers played pretty well wire to wire outside of a blip at the start of the fourth quarter. It was going to be a fun show talking about that game, what we saw from the New Look Pacers. And it was going to be a fun one talking about Tristan Thompson's best game. But then Rick Carlisle announces on the stand after the game that Tristan Thompson's gone. Pacers are going to wave him. He's going to join the Bulls on the buyout market. So what does that mean? Where's Thompson going? What does that mean for the Pacers? Who else could they sign? Lots to talk about today. But let's start with the game because that should be the big story. Pacers get finally a win after losing seven in a row. They avoid having 41, which is is not a that relevant of a number, but it's exactly half of the games in a season. They avoid having 41 losses for now. They will get to that half the season's worth of losses after the break. 20 and 40 at the break. Very ugly, but they obviously change directions towards rebuilding. It's not the end of the world. And they get their first win, a feel-good win, just before the break with their new team over the Wizards. And a lot of good stuff happened in this game that reminded me of a lot of stuff I've said on the show over the course of this season and on how this new Pacers team can kind of be good and play together. So things that have been commonly said about this Pacers team and their success on the show, by other writers, by other reporters, by observers, by statisticians, whatever. They play well with balance. And then this game, they had a lot of balance, right? They had six guys in double figures. Halliburton led the way with 17 shots, but they had four guys in double figure shots, plus nine for Lance, nine for Tristan Thompson, six for Jalen Smith, six for Dwayne Washington. They shared the ball very well. 30 assists. Balance was key for them. As we talked about on yesterday's podcast, the Pacers limited their three-point attempt numbers, which typically means they're doing a good job getting all the way to the rim on their drives. That got them 29 free throw attempts as they drew fouls. They shot poorly from three, but they didn't take very many, so it wasn't a big deal. They shot well at the rim against a poor Washington defense both at the basket and on the perimeter 74 points in the paint for the Pacers that is a scorching hot number for this game and so those two key indicators typically display how well the Pacers play in a game and they nailed both of them in this win over Washington it was an all-around team win everybody played pretty well you know if you run through the numbers O'Shea Brissett who is filling in at small forward very well these last two games two and a half games really had 17 points Terry Taylor had 18 points all in the second half on 9 for 11, shooting, including a monster dunk on Kyle Kuzma's head that actually bounced out of the basket. Jalen Smith had eight as he started at center because Gogo was late scratch with a foot injury, but Heald had 15. Tyrese Halberton had 21. Dwayne Washington had six. Lance had 11. Tristan Thompson, far and away his best game as a pacer. Far and away, eight for nine, 17.6 rebounds for him. It was really just everybody did their job and contributed. The Wizards' defense is terrible, but it allowed the Pacers, who couldn't make a three to save their lives in this game, to still easily cruise. And I don't know if they gave up the lead once they got it. They got it in the in the, in the middle of the second quarter. They got it and never gave it back. It was really a, a, an impressive performance from just about everybody. And a lot of stuff stood out to me that I already mentioned. But in terms of flow of the game and where the Pacers are headed and how this kind of defines their era, this sort of shows where the Pacers are headed. With Goga getting the late scratch, I mentioned the starters already, where Halliburton, Heald, 
O'Shea Brissett, Jalen Smith, Terry Taylor. O'Shea Brissett is the longest tenured pacer of that group who joined the team in April of last year, so he 10 months ago. And the other four starters joined this team after this season started, right? This team is already, you know, picking up chemistry on the fly, completely changing. They're going to change again later this week as they're cutting someone good. So the, this team is just – the fact that they can cut really well and find each other with passes and have 30 assists and move the ball fast and well, play more of Rick's preferred style so quickly is already very impressive and bodes well for how well they will play going forward. And they have, their defense still stinks. But it was actually okay in this game, first of all. And second of all, their offense is good enough that it makes me think they could actually just be about as good as a team as they were for the first half of the season going forward. Like, O'Shea Brissett had two dunks early. He had eight points in the first quarter. They were whizzing the ball around, and he was evidence of that. And he's a really smart cutter, but now that he's got Halliburton as his – not his sidekick. He's Halliburton's sidekick. But as someone who can really hit him on those cut timings and, and, and activate him. He can play really well. And then Lance can come in with the second unit. He had a really good second quarter, and Tristan Thompson had a really good second quarter, and the Pacers have a really hot start to the second half. And all of a sudden, all these guys who haven't been here for a while can guide them to a win against, against a team with a much better record than them. So it was really impressive to see everybody step up. But the game changed in the second half because of Terry Taylor. He had zero points at the half and finished with 18 he scored 10 rapid-fire points in the third quarter, all right around the basket. Halberton and him already have pretty good chemistry. His defense remains excellent. Nine rebounds, three offensive rebounds for Taylor in this game. And then he hit two clutch buckets as well. The Wizards actually cut this to one with about 5.14 to go. They were hitting threes like crazy to start the fourth quarter. It looked like for a while that all the problems that have haunted this Pacers team since the deadline are going to pop back up. Their defense will fall apart, and they just can't hit enough shots to get it done. But then three straight minutes... They get to stop every possession. Wizards can't score. Pacers take that to get up to a seven-point lead and get it done. And Taylor was was scoring left and right during that stretch, including uh, a near-dagger shot. O'Shea Brissett ultimately hits the dagger on a beautiful shot from Halliburton. Pacers moved the ball extremely well in this game, and I think that was something Carlisle highlighted that, that really came to light at the end. Like If you look at all their last however many made shots you want to look at, their last made shot was that O'Shea Brissett bucket, which was assisted by Tyrese Halliburton, right? And, and, and you know, a lot, of, a lot of fans were frustrated in, with the old Pacers because they had ISO a lot of inning games, and there is value to that. You can't have uh, some issues with, with turnovers and such. But their second-to-last basket, Terry Taylor catches a pass from Halliburton uh, and puts it back up and in. And the basket before that, Terry Taylor on an alley-oop from Halliburton, right? It's assisted. Basket before that, Terry Taylor assisted by Halliburton. Basket before that was a Halliburton pull-up. So for the last four inside the last four and a half minutes, every Pacers made shot was assisted. And that is not how they've played in the clutch in the past. So they have had clutch issues before. And this game looked like it could have been another one. But they played better defense down the stretch than they have all season. I mean, that has, if you've listened to Lockdown Pacers all season, been my biggest reasoning for them struggling in clutch games is they really, really struggled defensively. But in this game also, they didn't do as much iso ball and iso ball again. Not bad on its own. But if you continue to play how you have all game in a game where you score 113, that seems like a good strategy. And in this game, it did work, and it got them the win. So all in all, very impressive from everybody. I would say of the new guys, you know, Jalen Smith playing center, he kind of struggled on defense, um, and Tristan Thompson outplayed him. But he, he was all right again with four of six shooting. But all the new guys basically played the game you expect them to play. Uh, you know, Buddy Heald with 15 points, Tristan Thompson finishing everything, grabbing rebounds. Tyrese Halliburton dishing out the assists. And this was cool. You'll probably read about this in Greg Doyle's story about Tyrese Halliburton. But he comes up to the stand after the game 
and looks down at the statue and, and just whispers a cuss word under his breath. And Greg kind of asks him, like, hey, well, why did you do that? Why did you say that? You guys won. You know, you played well. He's like, oh, I shot six of 17, right? He's very much a perfectionist and wants to get everything right. And I thought that was very telling of, of who he is and how he plays. But he still was very good. They won his minutes by eight points. He had 21 and 14. And the first win of the new Pacers era has officially happened. One of many of the Halliburton era. In Indiana, they get one done. They get to the All-Star break at 20 and 40. That's horrible. That's that's just absolutely atrocious. But a feel-good win for a team that needed it. Quite frankly, I know that that losing is is probably the better thing for this team down the stretch of the season. In fact, it certainly is. But they they needed a win with their new team to just kind of feel better going into the break, feel better about where they're headed and how they can play going forward. There's a better aura around the franchise because they were able to hold on and get this win. And a key player in this win was Tristan Thompson. And I was thinking we were going to get him for media postgame so I could talk to him about you know what enabled him to play so well and how he did it and how he's being a vet leader for this team. And Carlisle comes up first, and I asked Rick Carlisle, hey, what allowed Tristan Thompson to play so well tonight? It was his best scoring game of the season. And Rick Carlisle says, Tristan's not on the team anymore. That was very surprising. What happened? Where's Tristan headed? What does that mean for the Pacers going forward? Let's talk about that. But before we do that, let's talk about the good folks over at betonline.net because football, it might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam ahead mode for both pro and college hoops. For the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where to find the next fired coach and where he's going to land, betonline.net is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, sports podcasts, and news this season, and it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds, right to the Olympic coverage and information. Head over to that website today, betonline.net, or use your mobile device. Sign up, and you can learn more about the trends in the action over there. BetOnline is where the game starts. Thank you, as always, for making Locked On Pacers your first listen every single day. Hope I can bring you the latest and greatest news about this Indiana basketball team. And speaking of the latest news about this Indiana basketball team, as alluded to before that break, Tristan Thompson, his time with the Pacers is done. He was fantastic. They don't beat the Wizards without him in this game. Four games with the Pacers, Tristan Thompson plays 16.4 minutes per game, shoots over 50% from the field, averages, uh, ends up, excuse me, average. Why can't I find points on this? <laughs> oh, there we go. Ends up averaging 7.3 points and 4.5 rebounds per game in his short stint with Indiana. And really was just fine. He was kind of an enforcer, definitely a good vet. Everyone who talked about him was like, yeah, it was really fun to have him around this week, including Terry Taylor. Only had him as a teammate for six games, but Terry Taylor is now free. He can now be TT alone. He said there was some confusion at practice this week with people yelling TT, and they were talking about Tristan Thompson and not Terry Taylor. But Tristan Thompson's on the move. Rick Carlisle said it after the game. When I asked about his performance, he said, he specifically said, they're going to waive Tristan tomorrow, which for you listening uh, is the 18th of February, and that he is headed to a team up north that starts with a C and ends with an O. And my stupid butt was thinking, Celtics, no, Cavaliers, no, Charlotte, no. I could not get Chicago for the life of me. He's going to Chicago. He's headed to the Bulls. It's been reported by others now. But Rick Carlisle said it. So that's what's happening. Tristan Thompson no longer on the team. I talked about this earlier this week on why the Pacers probably want a buyout from him, but why he might not want one himself. Apparently he does. Buyout was mentioned by Rick Carlisle in that comment specifically. And it's hard to say exactly what this does for the Pacers without knowing how much he gave back 
in a buyout. If anything, he doesn't have to give up anything, although then the Pacers would not do anything. They wouldn't cut him. There's no point. So he clearly gave back something to the Pacers, and this is very helpful for them with the tax you know, line situation they have going on. They have a lot more freedom now. Before we get to that kind of stuff, credit to Thompson for coming in these four games with Turner out for the Pacers, with Goga getting hurt, with Isaiah Jackson getting hurt. They needed him to play, and if they knew this was an option or he knew that he wanted to switch teams to just kind of suck it up and be a leader, help the transition for Halliburton and Heald. You know, he, a lot of the minutes he played, like I, I've said on the show and asked Carlisle about, were with those two guys. You know, so he could because he knew them really well. He knew their tendencies. He knew how to screen for them a little better and those kind of angles and such. You know, that was helpful for the for the Pacers, right? And then to also be an off court vet who's won a championship before and been a part of some very good teams, played with LeBron, Kevin Love. You know, to to pass on that kind of stuff was really valuable, even if just for a short amount of time. And I, I already alluded to this, but players players have said that, that was that was cool for them to have him around in those situations. So. Tristan Thompson did give the Pacers quite a bit in his one week with the team, and his his four games were fine. He he typically played okay for them when they needed him, and they really needed him. This also likely means they'll get they know they're going to get at least one center back after the All Star break, and maybe three. Maybe they get all of Isaiah Goga and Turner back once the All Star break is over. But Thompson no longer needed; he's gone. So I will assume for this segment that he gives back the exact amount of money in a buyout that he will be paid by Chicago for the rest of the season, that it's basically a money neutral move for him that allows him to go to another team where he can play roughly the same amount of minutes as their backup to Nikola Vucevic taking Tony Bradley's spot in the rotation, uh, but get paid the same and have a much higher shot at an NBA championship or some playoff success. There's a chance he gives back a hair less than that or a hair more, whatever. I'll talk about the money uh, later a little bit as we talk about what they can do. But the reason he would do this is that exact reasons. Like I just said, Thompson would like to chase another championship or perhaps if his buyout's less than his minimum, he makes a little bit more money. He can live in Chicago instead of Indianapolis if that's something that he's interested in, right? So if any of those objectives are something he wants, moving cities, making more money, chasing a title, any of them, if any of those are appealing to him, that's why he would do a buyout. And he didn't have to. He could have just said, yeah, I like being here in Indy. But he chose what he chose for a reason, and I, I don't think this is the wrong choice for him or anything like that. So it makes all the sense in the world that he would he would potentially want something like this. And full credit to him for buying in with the Pacers, but this does help the Pacers uh, quite a bit that, that they can move off of him going forward and, and get a little bit more freedom from the tax because, again, they had about, they're about a million away from the luxury tax right now, and that's probably safe for the rest of the season, you know, but Buddy Heald has some attainable bonuses that could get them over it. Now, though, this buyout probably means they're definitely they were probably safe anyway. Now they're definitely safe. And if they want, so two things are now more plausible. One, they can sign someone else. And I'll talk about that in the last segment. What can they do now? And if you listen to the show on Tuesday, I kind of already spelled out a lot of those options. But now that it's reality, it's a little easier to run through specific names and stuff that makes sense, especially because we know the Pacers' needs right now. It would have been less, we, we you know, it's just throwing stuff at the wall on Tuesday. So that's the imminent thing is the Pacers will get a roster spot from this. That's, that will allow them to change and alter their team down the stretch of the season. Maybe they convert someone. Maybe they sign someone. Maybe they leave it open for tax concern reasons for a few weeks. But uh, you know that that is certainly a possibility that they wait until the All-Star break is over. That would save them some money, certainly. Uh, if they if they waive him before the break and then wait till after to sign a guy, that's a nice way to save money, right? It's not cheating the system or anything. It's, it's just smart, savvy business by a team. That's sweating the luxury tax. So that's that's certainly a possibility 
for this team. What this also does a little bit, and I mentioned this on Tuesday's podcast as well, if you're interested in the finances and reasoning for the Pacers to consider this stuff, Ricky Rubio being waived, he's not going to accept the buyout because he's not going to play for another team the rest of the season with his torn ACL. But now that the Pacers have more distance from the tax, if they wait the week out of Thompson, so they'll have some savings there. You know, like I said, waiting through the all-star break to sign someone new. And let's say they sign someone who has zero years of service instead of Thompson's vet minimum, uh, which is a little higher. They could add some more savings there towards their tax bill. So even if they replace his roster spot, they could still be farther from the tax. They could actually get far enough from the tax away that they'd be willing to waive Rubio and also have a second roster spot available to bring in someone else. Now, they again, they have the tax concerns to deal with, and it's unclear how how close they're willing to get, especially with Buddy Heald's bonuses being a factor for them for the rest of the season. But it is now more possible to me that they would waive Rubio and and do something else with a second roster spot. You know that, and they could even do it sooner, depending on how long they wait to add someone else. All these dates and timings, I don't, I don't want to get too nitty gritty, but they do become very important for a team in the Pacers situation with their proximity to the luxury tax. So, you know, they don't play a game till next Friday now against Oklahoma City. Like it's very possible that Tristan Thompson's spot on the team is not filled until that exact day, because then the Pacers would get seven days of no payment for the rest of the, of that roster spot. So we'll see exactly what they do is not clear at this time or exactly what position they go to. But I have some options I'll break down in the next segment. But I think that a little small under-discussed part of this is it is very possible, especially if they can play their cards right or bring in a guy with zero use of service, that the Pacers could now have more flexibility to also wave Rubio and then get another clean roster spot out of this. And that just makes their trades look even better, right? They now traded Sabonis for a little bit more flexibility and savings. They now potentially, depending on what happens with Rubio, got a little bit from that roster spot as well. So the fact that Tristan Thompson is willing to take a buyout helps the Pacers substantially, gives them way more flexibility, lets them completely tweak their roster. And he was definitely needed for this stretch of games, but with Miles coming back and Isaiah Jackson coming back and Goga coming back, Tristan Thompson wasn't going to play. So the fact that they were able to, to get some more flexibility with their roster and and not have him be on the team anymore, extremely helpful for the Pacers. And since Thompson clearly was receptive or else he wouldn't have done this, helpful for him, it's a win-win. It really pushes both groups forward, which is exactly what these types of moves and buyouts are designed to do and why the NBA allows them. And the deadline for this kind of stuff, usually, it, technically it's, it's, it's any time in the season. But uh, if you're not cut by your old team on March 1st or earlier, you are not eligible to play in the playoffs for a new team. So really, this would have had to happen in the next 14th. No, it's February. There's only 11 more days this month. In the next 11 days anyway, and the All-Star break takes up like eight of them. So Thompson wouldn't even have you – know, he only would have been on the team for three more games this month anyway. So this timing makes all the sense in the world. Reacclimate, move to Chicago if you want to during the All-Star break. You know, all this stuff is at play. This, this makes all the sense in the world for both parties. The timing is great. Makes it, it works out. It really works out perfectly for everybody. So Tristan Thompson, no longer a pacer. Fantastic four games <laughs> from that trade. That will be the least important part of that deal, obviously, going forward. But now the Pacers can do something else. What's it going to be? I'll cover it when it actually happens. But for now, what can they do? What do I think they could do? And what what could they do that also could allow them to do something else? That was really hard to explain and get out. But let's talk about that. There are still options for this Pacers team. But before we talk about those options, let's talk about the good folks over at Rock Auto who make who are bringing you this episode, and with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need for your vehicle. you got to go in there 
endure the pointless and intimidating questioning. Is your Odyssey or whatever brand you have an LX, an EX, a CX, whatever silly little specs that change everything matters. And then you got to wait because they don't have the right part. They got to order it. And then they chain, choose the brand that their warehouse happens to carry instead of the best one for you. That's all a big waste of time. You have a computer with access to rockauto.com at home or in your pocket, and you can save time and money by going to rockauto.com. They're a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over two decades. They have reliably low prices for every customer with your auto parts needs. They have everything you could need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Explore their easy-to-use website today and see how they can help you and your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Thank you, as always, for making the show your first listen every day. Check out Locked On Wizards maybe for your second one to hear what's going on with them as they lose to the lowly Pacers now. There were a lot of fun games in the NBA last night, though. Any of our local Locked On shows might be a good choice for this. I'm going to probably myself... Make Locked On Suns my first listen as Chris Paul got hurt, but they beat the Rockets last night. Tristan Thompson, no longer a Pacer. He's bought out. You just heard me talk about that. What can the Pacers do now? What are the big pros of this? Tuesday show, we talked about this. I mentioned it briefly in the segment before, but depending on how much the buyout is, the Pacers could now sign someone else. And by default, they have a roster spot now. So they legally can sign someone else no matter what. But now they have if, – if assuming this buyout is for the same amount that Thompson will get from the Bulls, that's that's typically how these go, but not always. The Pacers can now sign someone freely and feel free from the luxury tax. What can they do now? What does this allow them to do? That's the simple part of it is they can add someone to their team. The 15-man roster now has an open roster spot. So who, what, how, what's the purpose of all this? So if you look at the Pacers roster, they have a ton of centers, You know, so much so that they're playing Jalen Smith at the four right now, and they have a lot of guards. They do not have a lot of forwards at all. You know, Chris, or excuse me, Keeper Sykes couldn't even get on the floor in this game that they just played. They only played an eight-man rotation against the Wizards, all guards and, and centers, basically, except for one guy, Terry Taylor. I guess O'Shea Brissett is a four as well. Terry Taylor can play the four certainly very well. Uh, and, and they need kind of that. They don't. They have a brissette, and that's it at the four right now. So that is one option that I think exists for the Pacers is converting one of their two-way guys, Terry Taylor or Dwayne Washington, to the roster. And I actually said pretty recently, I thought maybe Dwayne would would get that over Terry Taylor, but Dwayne really struggling recently, and Terry Taylor playing much better than him at a position the Pacers need more. I'm going to flip my answer very quickly, <laughs> flipping my opinion very fast, and say that I think Terry Taylor, if they convert a two-way guy should be the one that they convert to the standard roster to that 15th spot. He makes a lot of sense on this team as, you know, a reserve power forward. Who can really help? Uh, already he's got a very unique skill set. He was very good against the Wizards in this game. And he was in a, you know, this wasn't like he had those double-doubles where he was the de facto center playing a million minutes. And he played very well. Getting a double-double is not easy just because you're playing a lot or else everyone would do it. But in this game, he's playing like a more natural role where he kind of has to fit in and he's not playing center. And he still has 18-9. and nine. You know, he's very talented. Converting Dwayne also would make sense to me. You know, he's he's clearly shown this season at times he can be a very strong offensive weapon, has the Pacers rookie record for made threes in a game, makes quick decisions, he's valuable. That's two things the Pacers could do with Tristan Thompson's roster spot is convert one of those guys to the 15-man roster. Doing so also opens up a new two-way contract slot for the Pacers, which could allow them to bring in someone else there. Usually there's a deadline on bringing in two-way guys, but this season that's been waived as part of the COVID changed rules for signings 
So the Pacers could backfill that spot. So that's how they could bring in someone new is they sign someone to a two-way and convert one of their deals. And Terry Taylor seems like the most obvious fit for their roster spot, even if they didn't necessarily need a four because he's so valuable to what they do. And his stats are very gaudy. He's a very impressive player. It would make a lot of sense for any team in need of services to bring him in or something like that. So out with one TT, in with another TT. Could be as simple as these transactions kind of go for the Pacers. I mean, th- that seems like the most natural step to me, but that's not the only step because, you know, they're not going to make the playoffs. They don't have to convert a two-way guy. They could just sign someone else and then, you know, keep their, their two-way guys in restricted free agency this summer or something like that. It's very easy to keep your own guys on two-way contracts. So there are a lot of options for the Pacers. And if they wave Rubio, they could convert both two-way guys. If they don't wave Rubio, they could just sign one guy. They have lots of paths. They could go down. You know, I already talked about the Rubio stuff, but in general, I think they should be searching for a wing. You know, the guys missing from this game they just played, Goga, Duarte, Sykes, Brogdon, McConnell, Warren, and Turner. Outside of Warren, that's all guards and centers, right? They're very, very imbalanced with very few wings. It's basically, you know, O'Shea Brissett's a natural four playing three for them right now, right? And Duarte can do it a little bit, and O'Shea can obviously do it a little bit. TJ Warren can do it if he ever returns this season. They're very light on the wings. So if they're not going to convert a two-way guy, I think they should be looking for wings with their signings in general, right? A couple to The only two external names that, when I was searching through the free agents, kind of made sense to me as they're both young and talented wings that aren't within the Pacers organization or were on the Pacers earlier this season were Rajon Tucker, uh, who has three seasons in the league. He was with Denver on a 10-day hardship deal earlier this season. He played for Philly last year. Utah the year before that. Uh, he makes a lot of sense to me, 24 years old. Been very good in the G League, done very well with his three NBA stints. He's made three different rosters for a reason. And Dwayne Bacon, who spent three years with the Charlotte Hornets before playing every single game for Orlando last year. He hasn't made a roster this season. Uh, 40th pick in the 2017 draft. He is only 20, He just recently turned 26. That's not quite as young, um, but still could be a valuable addition to the wing at six foot six. For this Pacers team, but most of the candidates to me, if they're not going to convert a two-way guy, are kind of internal guys or guys that whose names you have heard before because they're on the Pacers this year due to hardship, or they've been on the team in the past, or they're with the Mad Ants now. You know that that seems like that's just kind of how the season is when you're, you know, usually when the Pacers are they're on the buyout market now. In theory, usually in this situation, they're hunting for you know Trevor Booker or Wes Matthews or. You know, old helpful contributors at positions of need. They don't need anyone old, and they, you know, they don't necessarily need to fill a position. They just kind of want young talent. You know, and I'm just thinking on the wing because they could get that guy minutes now, but they could go any number of positions. But five names I typed down. You know, thinking of the successful 10-day hardship guys this season: Reggie Perry, Justin Anderson, Nate Hinton. They all make some sense. Reggie Perry's a post player, so that seems mostly unlikely, but not insane. Um, but Justin Anderson w- was very solid for the Pacers in his three. Three game stint here. He was just very annoying, you know, as a defender. That has a lot of value. Played for Carlisle for a season and a half early in his career. He, he's just a solid player, uh, and I think he could provide some value to the Pacers if, if brought back on that stint. But he is not two way eligible. I'm going to go through all these guys and talk about them under that context. You know, could they sign a two way if Taylor or Dwayne Washington are converted? Justin Anderson could make the roster, but he could not be a two way. Nate Hinton, who spent his rookie season with the Mavs on a two way, ironically was with the Pacers on a 10-day hardship earlier this season, played in two games for them. He's 6'5", so he can play on the wing. He could get a a two-way because of his experience, right? That's another option 
for them. He's with the Mad Ants right now. Uh, Keelan Martin with Pacers earlier this season. Rick Carlisle talked about him being a guy who could be scooped up by a team he thought very, very quickly. No, he's talented, very clearly a good player, and is two-way eligible. Huge slap in the face to give him a two-way after they cut him on a not-two-way earlier. But not crazy to me that they could bring him back. The last name I typed is Glenn Robinson, the third former pacer, very valuable wing. He's not necessarily young, but certainly good, certainly can play the wing, has a lot of ties to Indiana. Who knows what he's up to right now? He just turned 28. The other factor I want to include in this discussion of what the Pacers could do at this roster spot is Everything I just talked about was very linear. There's now a new roster spot. Let's sign someone. You know, and I, that's the natural discussions, as this was with the trade deadline. But the nonlinear thing is something they did last year. They bring in O'Shea Brissett, 10-day evaluation period. 10-day, you're playing in the rotation evaluation period before they sign him. It would also not stun me if the Pacers are trying to be a little more cheapo, which is, again, not crazy given where they are in proximity to the tax. If they try some 10-day tryouts in general before converting a 2A for some reason, you know, they could maybe a 10-day for Nate Hinton or a 10-day for Justin Anderson or something like that. You know, that could be a smart way for them to kind of navigate going forward. Like, they do have some sort of large gaps in between games coming up, which doesn't really matter to, to you and I. But, you know, if you sign a guy on the 27th of February, for example... Outside of your first game out of the All-Star break, if you give him a 10-day, he can play in your next five games, and then you have four days off, and then you can re-sign him after that and save some money on your minimums. That's just stuff that a, a cap-strap team has to think about. So it wouldn't shock me if the Pacers pursue some 10 days for an external guy if they don't convert someone. So what I think will happen now that Thompson is bought out is one of the two-way guys will just get converted and be on the standard roster. That helps probably like a two- or three-year deal if that happens with non-guarantees and team options on the back end for those guys just to, to have them on the team but still keep some flexibility to, to have them be a restricted free agent in the future or something like that but it could just be a 10-day dance for a while before they convert those guys later in the season potentially or sign someone who gets the 10-day to a standard deal we'll see what happens i don't think it will happen until after the all-star break for financial reasons but if they love someone or there's someone out there that i haven't thought of that they want to snap up quickly maybe somebody that got waived around the trade deadline they want to scoop up there are a lot of options for the Pacers now. They've handled their flexibility very well since the deadline. I imagine they will going forward as well. We'll just have to see. But you know what? I'm going to cover it all. Moves and all here on the Lockdown Pacers podcast. Hope you all enjoyed the coverage of the final game before the break and the moves the Pacers made right after it. Tomorrow, Matt Moore is going to join us. You might know him as Hardwood Paroxysm. It's going to be very fun. We're going to talk about the state of the Pacers, the moves they made, where they're headed, stuff like that. Next week, we'll fit in some fun all-star game content as Tyrese Halliburton performs in Rising Stars on Friday. Uh, have some guests lined up for next week as well as probably going to do a mailbag before we get into previewing the rest of the Pacers season as they restart their games next Friday. Thank you all for listening up to this point in the season. We'll be back tomorrow and hopefully you have a great day and we'll see you then.